I, so I was I watched this when it was originally airing back in 2015. When this scene happened, oh, oh, oh! I was so ready. I oh, was yeah, so ready. Oh, it's a great scene. And then she just pulls back and just pow right in the face. Fucking just like punches the shit out of her, and she and she, and she just she's flies out. backwards like a fucking Looney Tunes character. And welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai. And joining me tonight, I have our poser extraordinaire, Natai. Oh, no, mom. I don't want to do math. Like, we're done with <laughs> no high school. Math. Stop. No, no math, mom. One but plus no, one Nittai. equals three, right? What? What's yeah, the Natai. We have we've gotten together tonight, and it, for you, it's, it's, it's in the morning. Holy shit, this is new. There's like lights and shit around me. This is wow. so for for reference, we usually record when it's like when it's actually nighttime for him. For us, like myself and 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 Shinoda and and John, it's it's usually the middle of the afternoon or early afternoon in, in John's case cuz he lives on the West Coast. For Natai, it's usually nearly midnight when we're recording. Bro, you it's, forget. Back in the day, like I used to wake up at like what, 2, 3 a.m. for me to record with oh, you guys. Yeah. This is like way easier now. But 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 now the script has been flipped a little bit. Now for me it's four AM and for him it's like what, <laughs> 10, 11 o'clock in the morning? It's uh it's uh eleven, eleven AM right now. Yeah. yeah. This is different, isn't it? <laughs> How does it feel like to to wake up early or like stay up early late early for this show? I mean, I was gonna be up this late anyway, so for me it's no big deal. Fair, fair. But now imagine like take all that fucking tiresome and be like Oh, now I need to talk about Monogatari for like two hours straight. <laughs> I know, uh, but but that is what we're talking about tonight. So we're we're really entering the end game here now, uh, Natai. Um, we're all, we're almost done. So we are going to be talking about Awari One. Uh, we have decided to split Awari One into two parts. I know it's going to be a little confusing when we say Awari One Part One, Awari two, Awari One Part Two. Um, but that's two, uh, that's how we've three. decided. It's how we've decided to do it. Um, so we will be talking about um, the first seven episodes, uh, technically yes. six episodes, if you really want to get technical about it. So the first three arcs of Awari season one, uh, there's a lot to cover and a lot to get through. So that's why yeah. we decided to split it, because the next arc, the next episode we'll, we'll record will be on one arc that is six episodes long. And it's also quite massive. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of a beefy arc as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be talking about Ogi Formula, Sodachi Riddle, and Sodachi Lost, which while these are really presented as three different story arcs, really it's just one big story arc. It's very because, interconnected, yeah. Yeah, it's very interconnected, and it, it largely revolves around the character of Sodachi. Um, and also Sodachi, we, get, we get more Ogi service as well. Mm, I love Ogi service. <laughs> you Those want fucking them gloves, man. Dickings, don't you? No, no, you fucking degenerate. I was about to gush about all oh, the gloves. You fucking went. Ooh. 
Oh, I don't know what, what, gloves, what I was expecting though. from you. <laughs> Show me what those gloves do, girl. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, so Oki uh, will not approve. <laughs> um, let's talk about the OPs and um, the ED. So there's only one ED through uh, these episodes. Um, it's uh, Sainar no Yukue. Yukue, thank you. Um, by uh, Alisa Takigawa. Takigawa. I and, love this um, ED. I really do. It's 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 kind of chill, kind of just kind of yeah. As as crazy as some of the shit that happens in these episodes is, it's nice to have this like relaxing melody to just kind of play out. It's a good idea to like decompress to and just like and just like get a feel for like everything that you just watched. Also, the art style again, I love the sort of like paper mash type of art style of all the characters. I love the, like it's very limited in animation, but what you get there is so full of character. Like I love the, there's a part of it where you see Ogi and again, she's with like the big sleeves and whatnot. And they just, they're not really animated. Just like her hands are just like spinning around, but it's so perfectly mm. like, but it's so perfectly an Ogi sort of like movement, you know, it's, it's very, very charming. Uh, and the song is a bop. I really like this song. It's probably my second favorite ED right after the Bakemonogatari ED. So, like, I I love this ED so much. It's I just great. don't think anything will ever be as good as that Bakemonogatari ED. I really yeah, don't. But this this comes close. I love the visuals of it. I love, like, the, the just, like, you them following uh, Aragi and Sodachi through this, like, roller coaster ride. And, like, it's submerged underwater. It's very depressing. But then they get through it. And it's very uplifting. It's It's great. And also, we got really cool end cards uh, with each episode, which, like, yeah. I didn't write them down, but they're all really, really cute, and, like, I love them all. Yeah. Um, so, for um, the first uh, two episodes of this particular arc, we have, our Ogi Formula, we have uh, Descent Black. Yes. As the, uh, as the OP sung by Ogi herself. <laughs> it's so trippy. I love this OP so much. It's, it's- I, uh... In in my so this one and the the next one we're going to talk about for um Sodachi Riddle, mm-hmm. um I think are are very underrated ops in the Monogatari. Family. I agree. Um, you you very rarely see either of these ops in people's top fives, but I, and I don't know if they necessarily are top fives for me, but I really really love Descent Black. It's great. It's very very moody. I love the, it just like from the get-go, like the music just blasting your ear and it's like, and, and it's very, very trivial, very different from the rest of the OPs we got so far, uh, so far. And then the visuals of like Ogi like falling and fiddling in this weird class and how by the end, like you see that sort of like, a, it's, it's almost like Jojo Part 5, the Requiem, where she just appears in the t- television reflection as like a de- detective. <laughs> uh, because she always like oh like she always like solves mysteries and it's like how she presents herself to everyone else and it's it's so it's like it's perfect I love this so much. Um, and then the uh, the episode or the uh, op for episodes three and four. Um, so did she riddle mathematics um, oh. sung by so did she herself. Um, this is another one which I it's kind of trippy. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like to see this when it, when you're high. Um, <laughs> I can attest. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. You watch this on Crunchyroll, right? Yeah. I watched this, the Blu-ray version of this, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize this until my watch through of it because this is the first time I've actually watched the Blu-ray version right. of um, of Awari. Um, so you know how they have everything kind of mirrored in Mathematics. Mm-hmm. 
they also do the same thing with the um, the subtitles for the lyrics. Really? I didn't yes. know that. That's really the cool. The lyrics on the Blu-ray are also mirrored exactly like the visuals of the OP. That's awesome. Dude, this OP is so... F- I, remember, I remember watching this OP back in 2015 when it first mm-hmm. came out on a video of talking about like the best OPs of that season or whatever. And like, back then, I had no knowledge of Monogatari. So I was just looking. I was like, what the fuck am I looking at? That's weird. Uh, but now it's like it's one of my third OPs. That fucking bass line is so good. Mathematics is such a good song. Uh, but <laughs> Man, the visuals that, are... that that bass line literally sounds like something that like I don't know fucking Jimmy Page or Jimi Hendrix would write. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good bass line. That, I love it. And the song is like, and I love how like so we talk about that each like song is sung by like the, one of the actresses, and it's it feels like a it, it's obvi- it obviously is intended to be like a character song, and I love how dramatic the vocals are in this song. Like it feels like it's like she <clears throat> uh, the actress took like all the lyrics and instead of like singing them sort of like regularly she like she puts a little, little extra oomph to them they feel much more dramatic and i love the vocal performance and oh, as you said too. the visual is so trippy oh, i love this op so much me too and then Definitely we uh, have the uh op for uh so did she lost which is evening shower equation i love i love how all the stuff that's like so did she focused is all like math related in terms yeah. of like how it's titled and everything and now, this op it doesn't what well, Let's try that again. This OP <laughs> well, it didn't well, didn't exist back when the show first aired. They added it no. to, the, to the Blu-rays. Yeah, this um, is something that was not part of the original broadcast of um, Awari Monogatari Season 1. Um, now, I have a slightly... You, you might not like what I'm about to say. Don't make it into a lesbian thing. No. I, although, that, that did catch me off guard the first time I ever saw it. But, I don't particularly like this OP. <laughs> really? I, I think, don't. I think this is one is like really, really underrated. I think it's quite strong. I like the visuals. The song for me, just I don't know. I I feel like it's not. It doesn't really match the uh, the story being told in this this particular like mini arc. I don't know. Um, I don't know how. I, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I think for the visual, at least the song fits. It's very. It's very, it's very melancholic. It's very like somber. And I think that's kind of great. It goes well with visuals, and and the visuals are fantastic. Like uh, that fucking shot of like the two Sodachi's like kissing merging. each other, kissing each other, merging. And when they merge, it's one Sodachi and she just, like crying. Is fucking beautiful, man. Like we'll get to the contents of the arc and like how it's about a character tr- that is trying to love herself, and even though she doesn't. And it's like, oh boy, it's so perfect. I, I love this OP. I remember what like when I, I i didn't know of it, its existence till way like a few years ago when i'm just like going yeah. through the ops on youtube it's like there's another one and i like it's not i don't like it as much as like mathematics but i, I still think it's a very strong op um and i, I want to be clear i'm not saying that i hate it i don't at all um i don't think there's not a single monogatari op that i outright hate i'm just saying in terms of monogatari ops this one in particular is kind of down on my list okay um, and then I do want to mention, so one thing that um, is, it's not really different from where, when we got together last time when we were talking about uh, Suki Monogatari, but um, the music this time is not being done by our boy uh, Kosaki. Um, it's actually being done by uh, Kei Haneoka, uh, who also did the music for um, Suki Monogatari. 
Yeah. Uh, I think, and, I, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I think in general our um, opinion of it with uh, Sukumon Agathri's OST was good job. Good job indeed. I think it carries on like what was the work that was previously done. And we love those OSTs. They're great. They're fantastic. I think this one retains that same level of quality. It's really, really good. Um, but yeah, pretty much everything else is um, is the same. I do want to Ex- point out um, yeah. a small bit of, um, I guess, technical behind the scenes bit here. Um, <clears throat> so episodes three and four of Owari Monogatari season uh, one and also episodes eight and ten, but we won't. We we're gonna talk about those next time. Um, those were actually outsourced; they weren't animated by Shaft. Really, I did not know that. Yes, uh, those were actually um animated by. Uh, I don't know if you're supposed to pronounce it Diomedia or Diomedia. I didn't know about this. Were they like completely outsourced, or were they working with them in tandem? Like, I think now I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure the entire the animation of the entire episode was outsourced. Interesting, huh? That's very interesting. I do wonder so, how that like collaboration came. Like, so there was these all these horror stories about Shaft, where like they literally like got the episodes barely done minutes before airing them for like shows like even Bake and Madoka Magica and a whole lot of other shows. So I wonder if uh, that uh, quote unquote tradition lived on with the Owari part one. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Some, it's something that would be kind of interesting to look at um, down the line. You know, Shaft is kind of notoriously very secretive about what goes on and behind their doors. Uh, also, probably uh, with good reason based on some of the horror stories I've heard. Also, uh, another thing. So we got a new art cell, a different art cell change now. Um, so far, I think for a second season, uh, for most of the show, I think like the art cell was very, very like consistent. They didn't try and change a whole lot of things. Maybe direction was very different, but the art cell remained sort of similar. Uh, hmm. This one is quite, it's pretty much like, it's a very different art style. I mean, though it looks like, when you compare it, that's when you start to notice how much different it is. And I think Arag is the best example of it. He looks much more mature in this season compared to yeah. the previous ones. I, I, I like to point this out. I pointed this out in the tie. It's like, it's almost like we're watching him grow as a character too. Who the fuck knew? Fucking Holy character shit. development is a hell of a drug, Natai. But yeah, it's uh, I, I like this new art style. Like, uh, this is my favorite depiction of Aragi. Maybe not my favorite. I think maybe my favorite would be Kisu, but we'll get to that in future. Oh, we'll uh, get there. In terms of the TV show, I think, like, the series as a whole, I think this is, like, my favorite design of him. Um, I agree. Um, yeah. And also, just, we'll, we'll probably talk on it here and there, but I do want to give special props to uh, background art throughout all of Awari oh, Season yeah, 1. Oh, it's great. It's um, fantastic. There's some absolutely fantastic background art throughout this. Not that there hasn't been fantastic background art through all of Monogatari, but there's there's some scenes in uh, the episodes we're going to talk about that the background art really stands out in a great way. Yeah, like, we'll get to, like, lighting and colors and all that. There's so much to talk about, but let's get right into it. <laughs> and there's also, there are, there is also a very, um, shall we say, healthy amount of um, visual references in these first few episodes. There's so much shit, dude. Like, right, like writing that, all of this down and then talking to you, it's like, oh, they, they're so dense with shit, these episodes. It's kind of crazy. So, yeah, let's talk about it. So, um... Ogi formula. 
bottle episode. Let's go. So, to, <laughs> so I, we, I talked about this with you after I was done watching it. On paper, and I think with any other story written by anybody else, this concept would not work. It is two episodes, two straight episodes, where it is basically just two characters locked inside of a room talking to each other about something that happened in one of the people's past. That's it. That's all it is. But it's How so does fucking this work? Dense. I don't know. It's so it, it's so dense. It's so it's so it's full of so much character and the interaction. Like, and we talked about the visuals. The visuals are so fucking good in this double episode. Like, it's so it's really trippy. Like, so we'll I like get how to the it, classroom like, literally looks like something out of the Matrix. I, yeah, definitely. And the colors change all the time. It almost feels like JoJo every now and then because the colors just shift so dramatically every now and then. And you get so much like visual storytelling. That's in the background. That's great. Like we'll get to it again. But the not even the interaction between Ogiwi and Aragi, but the physical interaction between the two is so fucking cool to watch. Because you're like, like so, uh, so basically, as I said, so Ogi and Aragi, it starts uh, in the beginning of October, and Aragi and Ogi are like trapped in this weird classroom <laughs> for some reason. Uh, October. So we're jumping back from when we last saw this show. Uh, so this is prior to the events of Nadeko and Medusa, if we yes. look at the whole timeline. So we're jumping yeah, back this in is, time. this is just prior to the events of Nadeko and Medusa. Yeah. As and I remember when I first watched it, I had so much fucking reservations about it. It's like, really? We're going to go back in time? But we just finished this arc with Nadeko, and we're in the future now. It's like, why would I want to go? I, w- I was so fucking worried when I first watched it, but... I'm glad I kept going because it just it's such a good payoff. But anyway, uh, so apparently Ogi and Aragi are locked in this classroom. How did they get there, Alex? Well, uh, well, it, it's <laughs> it's funny you ask that. Ogi, being the I guess nerdy little fucker she is, was like drawing fucking pictures of how the layouts of all the classrooms are at the school, and it's like, hey, wait a minute, something seems kind of fishy here. Let's go check it out. <laughs> And she was, uh, this is following, this is the same day, by the way, that she's introduced to Aragi for the first time by Kanburu. Uh, yes. Because, of course, Kanburu likes girls, so I guess that's her new hobbit of just introducing them to Aragi. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Ogi is like, hey, I'm Ogi Yoshino, I'm uh, Meme's niece. And it's like, sus. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. all right. Uh, and anyway, she pretty much talks about, oh, this classroom shouldn't be there. That's very odd. And that triggers our argument because, you know, with all the oddities that he's been de- dealing with. Mm. Um, so they go to that classroom that shouldn't be there and they're locked inside. And that's the beginning of this fucking bottle episode. And I love it yep. so much. And then there, there's so many like clues that are hidden around the classroom that point to actually why they're supposed to be there. Like the the clock is stopped at a few minutes before six, which you know is like when everyone is supposed to leave the school, or at least like um, the end of like overtime for school, like you know supplementary hours. Yeah. Um, and what, uh, what else? Uh, there, there's the fucking date is written on the board as July fifteenth, even mm-hmm. though it's the middle of October. Uh, and Aragi notices when he goes and sits in one of like this, takes one of the seats in the class that there's something in the drawer in his old notebook from uh, from two years ago. So yeah, apparently, so I also want to I want to I want to point out something. So Ogi just tells him to go sit down, and he just randomly sits, allegedly randomly sits. 
And I'm thinking to myself, if I were presented with an empty classroom full of desks and seats and someone just told me to sit down, how would I choose where to sit? I don't think you consciously choose. You just go somewhere and just sit there. It's a very subconscious thing. I think that too. But this is Monogatari. Nothing happens by accident here. (laughs) And apparently he just took that same seat he took two years ago in the class. Uh... Which is like, okay, hmm, weird. Uh, and then Ogi and Ari just start going at it. It's like, okay, what is this all about? What is this about? Oh, shit, I forgot to mention the introduction to this uh, double episode about Euler's identity. Yes, o- Euler, excuse o- me. Euler, Euler. Uh, I never remember. Euler identity. So, like, just to set the stage, oh, totally forgot about this. So, pretty much Ari talks about, like, Euler's identity. Oh, it's like a very beautiful math equation. Which I'm- it is. I'm dumb. I don't know math, so I couldn't relate. Uh, Euler's identity <laughs> is like one of those beautifully simplistic math problems. Like it, it makes you wonder. Like, was there really a grand design behind all this shit? I, I I've had a very hard time relating to that. Like, I, I it's a very interesting subject, but like I'm too dumb to figure it out, honestly. Basically, Euler's identity for kind of a there's more to it than what I'm about to say, but it basically demonstrates a fundamental relationship between three, um, I should say, a profound relationship between three fundamental numbers in mathematics Mm. that aren't otherwise related, by the way. (laughs) So, also, you can apply it to some characters in this arc. Interesting, kind of, yes. Uh, but it is it is generally regarded as one of the most beautiful mathematical equations ever. Interesting. So yeah, that was the old introduction, and then they are like sort of reminisce about one character who was related to that equation, uh, and that anyway. So when he notices that um, uh, date on the board, July fifteenth, he remembers that on July fifteenth, twenty uh, two years ago, uh, he was quote unquote put on trial for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ogi was like, sort of like, that piques her interest because she knows, for some reason, that Aragi used to be quite different before he met Hanakawa. And How the, the fuck of- she knows this? I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and uh, she calls back to one phrase that is used in Kizu a lot. And I, it's pre- basically Aragi used to say, I don't need friends. If I make friends, my strength as a human decreases. Now, mm. I'll... Daring Noari does so many callbacks to stuff that happens in Kizu that the first time I the, the first time I watched the show I watched Kizu after Noari Part One, which is why yeah, which if you're an this. anime only watcher or if you've already seen Kizu, like you know what's coming. But if you haven't, you're really confused. <laughs> yeah, there's like it 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 adds much more mystery to Kizu as a thing. But I but like. Looking at it now, like without knowing the entire picture, I think like watching Kizu, like let's say in a novel order, as it's watching right after Bake, does make it much more palatable to like get all this information. Because if you haven't watched Kizu, this is new information, so it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, when we we've been, it's been hinted at some of the things before that happens in Kizu, but it's never really been like discussed very deeply. Um, but yeah, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like some of the stuff that's being talked about here, especially in these two episodes where they do reference Kizu, I feel like actually having seen Kizu before would probably be better. Yeah, it definitely like makes things more clear. 
And I think that's uh, but, one of the things with Awari where it kind of is hamstrung by the fact that Kizu came out after this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but but like, if you have watched Kizu, it, like it's a very like it's a very like weird thing to call back to because it literally hasn't been mentioned for a shit like, for a very long time. Yeah, um, for sure. Also, quick shout out to the fucking again visual storytelling. I love like the like small details like uh, Ogi drawing like on the board is like that one moment where she draws both her and Aragi under the same umbrella, uh, which uh, hmm, that's a hmm. weird thing to draw Ogi. Hmm. And uh, I, I wonder, I wonder if this could mean something later. And uh, I love the uh, <laughs> the fucking visual. It it ramps up quite later in the episode. The visual of her sort of like circling Aragi and sort of like. Like a snake sort of contorting herself around his body. It's like, well, she's questioning him. It's like... I literally... The first time I saw this, like... Are they gonna fuck? God like, damn is it. Why do you feel... Like, literally the know, only that, character like, with no sex appeal in the show. And you're like, oh, they're gonna fuck? How dare you say Ogi has no sex appeal? <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, like... No, you're right, though. You're right, though. The, and I, I want to point out... You and I know what's coming with Ogi, but if you have it, number hints. one, number one, you're in for a treat. Number two, when we actually get there, you're going to look back at stuff like this that we're talking about with the umbrella and stuff, and, and even other stuff that we're going to be talking about here, and you're going to, oh. It's so I, satisfying I to rewatch this show. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but yeah, uh, so basically, Ogi calls back to that sort of like mindset he had before meeting Hanukkah, and she's like, is this, like, is this trial why you sort of, like, acted like that? So, like, why you became such a lone, a loner type of dude and just, like, stopped, like, having interactions? And basically that's when Aoragi is like, I guess I'll tell you what happened two years ago. Um, so, yeah, basically that's when we first get introduced to Sodachi Oikura, who was a classmate of Aoragi two years prior to this, like, episode. Um, who really, really wanted to be called Euler? What a fucking kind of, nerd! <laughs> yeah, that's what a fucking nerd. <sighs> also, uh, this begins my TED talk, uh, and it will go on for the next probably hour and a half of me trying to convince all of you out there that Sodachi is actually an incel. Oh my god, you're a fucking go. <laughs> But anyway, I also love how these fucking nicknames in this show. She's like, oh, I want to be called Euler, but everyone calls her how much. <laughs> Which I find funny. I think it's a great nickname. It's such a. <laughs> it is only weird because nickname. that she has this tendency to just like appraise people upon meeting him, like they're a fucking piece of meat or a painting or something. By the way, again, shoutouts to Wofan. That the fucking character design. Mm. <laughs> I love Oikura. I love her. She, how she looks. I love how she. Act. I think she's a great character. It's, it's a it's, shame she's batshit insane. It's it's fucking shocking that she's like actually present. Not even in flashback. Actually present for like two episodes in the entire series. So it's like kind of fucking crazy. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so on July fifteenth, apparently, Sodachi held this fucking a class assembly that happened after the classroom hours so like supplementary hours or so uh Araki didn't know about this because of course he didn't uh and basically back when his head was like in the clouds like <laughs> but this is prior to him being such a loner guy it was like he wasn't that like uh disconnected from like everyone around him um uh, but basically uh she held a class or something after school hours 
because someone allegedly leaked the answers of uh, the math math exams they had. Uh, I, that... I see someone's been playing chess. Oh, <laughs> what is that? Anyway. Uh, no, I, I don't know what it is. Like, this is about cheating, right? I don't know what is going on in the world right now, but it seems like every professional sport and like activity and whatever has some kind of cheating scandal going on right now. It's fucking wild, dude. But yeah, apparently someone leaked the answers to the final exams uh, because they had sort of this uh, like uh, group study that happened prior to the uh, exam. And mm. apparently all the people who were in the study like had 20 points above the rest of the people who weren't in the group study uh, in the final in their final score. Yeah, they scored on average 20 points higher than the people who weren't there. Which is like, that's kind Except of for weird. one person and that was Araragi. <laughs> But he wasn't in the group study, and he got a no. He wasn't, but he also got a hundred percent on the test. Because <laughs> fucking, fucking he's just that good. What a fucking Chad. Uh, so yeah, Aragi was said to be like the guy who was like running this uh, assembly because he wasn't part of the group, but he got a hundred. Uh, and I love always like still back then very dense. He's like, oh, she probably hates me because I got a better score than her because he is like top of the class in math. It's even never though, that that simple here, buddy. Yeah, even though she's like she's like this math goddess apparently, and she wants to be called this very stupid name, she can't even be like get a perfect score. Um, so yeah, and apparently, like Aragi off the bat when he tells the story, it's like that day we couldn't find the the culprit. And I love again back to the visuals. I love when he talks about this, and we have a bit of a glimpse of that visual. In the introduction of the episode, like these, uh, I don't remember what they're called. These like Japanese like cat dolls that like wave mm. their arm around. The maneki like, necos. Yeah, those. I love like these. Like they're set for like all the classmates, and like it comes back like, later in the episode. But that like when they set up that visual at first, it's like very strange, but the payoff for it is like perfect. Um, but yeah, and then Ogi is like, "Well, we need to find the culprit, and then we'll be able to get out of this class, which is frozen apparently in time," and. The investigation begins. <laughs> yes, Sherlock Holmes goes to work. <laughs> I love that uh, image of Ogie with the fucking Sherlock Holmes hat. <laughs> um, yeah, and you, you kind of see glimpses of this whole, um, I guess, trial is how it's put in, in you know, how Ar- Araragi puts it. <clears throat> and the visuals of all the tables like being thrown around like a storm is great. Like, and I, I, I love the fact that it's just a bunch of people talking over each other, and it's really difficult to, to understand what people are saying because so many people are talking at once. And again, that fucking visual of like the storm, how it's like the class is like breaking down. Like it's interesting. Every now and then, uh, Monogatru like sort of look at that sort of dynamic of a classroom. Like remember back in uh, Nadako Medusa when. Uh, there was a big emphasis on the class, the classroom dynamic. I was like, in that classroom, like people weren't for each other. It was a very, very destructive ty- type of place. And now we get something a bit similar, but it's like there's this obsession with finding who is the culprit. And then after, obviously, after hours and hours of going over, people are like, fuck this shit. Like, what are we, why are we even doing this? And even Aragi is like, maybe it's time to call it off. Maybe we need to stop this. And so that she doesn't take that for an answer. She's like, fine, fuck this shit. We'll do it live. <laughs> let's do let's do a majority vote who thinks the about who the culprit is. Uh and I love that moment in which she's the only one who votes for Aragi. And she's like, uh what? <laughs> she have expected all 
the rest of the class to vote for him. I feel like the people in this class probably thought he was too fucking naive to cheat. Yeah. And also, like, it makes sense. Like, he wasn't part of the group assembly. But you yeah. just hated him that much for reasons that are still, like, beyond Aragi. Except for him, it's like, oh, I got better score than her, maybe. Her, but and nah. I, I, I don't remember specifically, but I, I don't think it's every single other member of the class or that, that assembly voted for uh so did she but it was a big majority it was a big majority and 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 then you have that visual of like the entire class that is like these these cats like raising their hand in vote for sorochi it almost makes it look like the entire class is voting for her and that's such a like a fucking shocking event for aragi because like you know he he talks about how he and we'll get to to it later his like parents and how he was raised but like he had this very strong sense of justice right Calling yeah. back to Karen Suki with their weird sense of justice, but he also has one. And how that sort of like fucked him up because it's like, because majority decide this is right and now this is right, even though it's kind of fucked, it's not the truth. And that sort of like shatters his worldview and just makes him back off from like connecting to other people and like society in general and just being like more of a loner person and just being like, I don't need this. I don't need this to like fucking change my beliefs and my sense I, I, of justice. There's a, there's a specific line that Koyomi says, and I, I sent it to you, and I just said Koyomi gets red pills. <laughs> it, it's after he has this, when, he, when he's talking about this, he says, I came to realize that truth can be mass produced like toy cars. The right number of people establishes what is true and just. The majority can manufacture justice. I that I just see that and I'm like, fuck, he's based. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's like, Whoa! <laughs> when he when he says that, like you, you you can feel how much he fucking it shatters him, right? It's like that's not how it should work. But it's like a people majority voted, so it's like that's it. It's like whoa, okay. Yeah, I it, it's a great realization. It's a great like reveal. Um, also, just the lighting in that scene where you know we're shown this um, <clears throat> the uh, the classroom they're in. It's all these like flashing colors and lights and shit. And then all of a sudden, it all the color goes away when he says this, and it's, it's just really black and white, out, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Again, like the fucking color usage in this episode is fantastic. I love how washed out it is sometimes. As you said, yeah, it's it's mm. great. And, and and like even back to the visual of like when he's reminded of it, where he's like drowning that sort of like sorrow and like depression sort of it's like because it hates you how much of like a fucking event this is for him how much of a shifting this is like the shifting point for Aragi before uh, um, like before we even knew him he was at this very low point because and of this this event. this event that they're talking about is pre-Kizu it's pre-Kizu yeah like it explains and when we'll get to Kizu we'll see that Aragi explains why he was such a loner guy who had no friends no connections whatsoever and why the events of Kizu opened him up and led to him being able to form his connection with people like Hanakawa. And later why, wouldn't it have been Gahara. great if the fucking anime, the Kizu anime had already been out by the time this came out? <laughs> I mean, now we have all of the anime, so like you, they're all of the an- adaptation, right? So you can yeah. like now, thankfully now you can watch Kizu right after Bake and you get that context. So it definitely like makes this much more powerful. It's like, oh, that's why it was like that. Right, because yeah. the Aragi we see in Kizu at the beginning 
it's very different from the Aragi we get nowadays. Yeah. It's it's great. But anyway, um, so Ogi basically turns to him after that and says, well, that's a great story, but we still haven't figured out who the fucking perpetrator is, and I think that's how we're supposed to get out of here. And then she breaks the fourth wall again. Oh, not she didn't break the fourth wall. She fucking shatters it. It's great. I, so I pointed this out to you, um, because uh, you don't you've read um, the Kizu Monogatari novel, but that's as far as you've really gotten in the uh, Monogatari novel series. Yeah, I only read Kizu. In terms so of I've books. read I haven't read all of the novels, but I've read most of them. I've read all of the novels that have been animated. Um, Ogi has a habit of this every time she shows up. <laughs> um, she she breaks the fourth wall multiple times. It's great. Uh, I, I love all these fourth wall breaks. Most of the time, she does it in a way where she's actually directly addressing the reader. Um, and there's, well, there's even that point in this where she says, all right, reader, now you have all the clues. And then she's like, hmm. Now we have all the clues. Let's find out who the actual perpetrator is. And from the bat, she's like, she's like Komichi Tetsujo, which is the homeroom teacher, apparently. And yes. now, like a good Sherlock Holmes novel, she just lays out all like what happened based on the clues that she had. Because throughout this conversation, Aragi mentions a few things that come together now in this like conclusion. So basically, uh, what Ogi says is that uh, the homeroom teacher. Uh, probably was both the homeroom teacher is the math teacher and yes. because she would like she would usually help clean the classroom after the group study she would see the questions and the like problems that the group study would like uh, talk uh, about yeah talk about an over. exercise and she would use that and then she used that in the, in the exam itself because if like all the students have a higher score, then she's like better evaluated. Because, oh, look at this! This teacher made all the students better at math. And the thing that sort of like puts a nail on this like whole thing for Aragi, it's like when uh, when the um, vote happened. So Aragi was standing up. There was someone else sitting in his seat, and that's Tetsujo, the teacher, who also voted against Oikura, which is really really fucking messed up that's some fucked up shit when your teacher's voting against you and she's the one who cheating and yeah in that moment when or they no, realized is that Komachi a dude or a ch- i don't know i don't know genders of japanese names i'm sorry i'm not even no it, it, we know she is a t- you know oh yeah she had yeah she's she goes she's on maternity leave because she's on maternity leave so yeah the moment they realized the teacher was behind it all uh the classroom turns to normal it's no isn't locked and that sort of puts a closes the case, you could say. Yeah, um, and I I also love that um, as they're leaving, Ogi just turns to him and is like, "Oh, by the way, I heard that vampires have to ask for permission to enter and leave buildings. How does she know that Aragi's a vampire? I don't know." And Aragi is like, "Oh yeah, sure." And it's like, "Wait, I didn't tell her I'm a vampire. That's that's weird." Oh, that's not the first time he's going to have that situation come up. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's uh, that that's sort of like the end of this sort of case. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so, really fucked up. <laughs> it is, um, but like you mentioned, uh, Tetsujo uh, was a teacher and she stayed as a teacher, but now she's on maternity leave currently. Um, and then as um, 
as Koyomi's kind of leaving, he runs into Hanakawa and he's like, she's like, bro, 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 listen to me, listen to me. You don't want to go in that room. My queen. My <laughs> and queen. listen, when someone tells you not to go into a room, what's the first thing you want to do? Of course, Aragi is like, oh, that'd be... <laughs> This will be fine. It'll it'll be fine. And then, oh my God, this person we've just done stuff for is now here in front of him. So yeah, apparently uh, on the same day that the teacher went on maternity leave, Oikura returned to school after two years of being absent. What a fascinating coincidence. Such a good way to close out this arc. I, I, I fucking, I love this arc so fucking much. Again, great bottle episode. We get so much interaction between Ogi and uh, uh, Aragi. Also sets the tone for the rest of the season with using more, more characters to explore different sides of Aragi. And it's a pattern we'll see again and again. For the, It's honestly, a pattern you'll see throughout both Awari uh, 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 season one and two. Honestly, it's the panel. Yeah, it's a panel we'll see again and again till the end of the, the the show, the entire anime by now. Yeah, and it's great. I for sure. I, I love how much this season will delve into Aragi as much as the rest of the characters. Man, we're forty minutes into this. We've talked about two episodes. All oh right, let's go. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, episode three is where we start. Um, so did so she that riddle. she lost. Uh, yeah. So that's your riddle. Yeah. So did she right. riddle. So did she lost is the last one we're going to talk about. But um, so did she riddle. <clears throat> so we get that. I I want to talk about this scene because there there's a lot you can say about it. I just sum it up with two words: cat fight. <laughs> can I can I go back to that fucking one quote Hanakawa says that you sent me, where she was like, Saragi's like, wait, so what did you tell Oikura? She's like, uh, it would it would be weird not to uh, to. Uh, to not answer, so I answered all the inoffensive questions. Because apparently she's like very inquisitive about Araki's state, where she's like asking Hanakawa all these weird questions about Araki. So yeah. For some reason, she's uh, he's on her mind a lot, and it's like, oh shit. All Which right. is really just Hanakawa's roundabout way of saying, I just bullshitted. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's really what she's saying. So Araki is like entering the class, and there she is, and she's, he's trying to like be very. Uh, uh, um, stupidly so, he's trying to be very, it's like, hey, how's it going? I like, no, hey, I, we, we've seen at this point, we've seen Koyomi, uh, like interact with and talk to multiple characters, you know, men and women, and almost every single time, unless he's like really flabbergasted by something, he's like cool, calm, collected. Um, he, he, he he doesn't let a whole lot of stuff like really get to him. Or if he does, he never shows it. When he talks to Sodaji, he is the most goofy motherfucker on the planet. What a fucking dense idiot. Holy shit. I was like, oh, oh what are you doing, you dumbass? It's like, hey, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally just like the fonts. Hey. <laughs> and and she hates him. The thing is, it's like the first instance in the show we see someone like genuinely hate Araragi. Like we see, we've seen people like attack him and like being like, uh, like, uh, like antagonized because of him or for some. Wait until Kizu when you see someone literally decapitate him. Tr- yeah, too. But like this, there's so much hatred boiling under Sodachi, and she's like, and she's like, oh look at you, you're having a really nice life. You're like doing great in your studies. You have a nice girlfriend. Which apparently. exhibit A for her being an incel, by the way. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And but but then she's like she's like goes into this whole spiel that she's like she's very mad about like about people who are happy but don't know why they have that happiness. How how they are they obtain this happiness. People who fall ass backwards into happiness. <laughs> Basically. And they're like unaware of their like roots. Uh, yeah. What was that one line when she's like, uh, water that doesn't know why it's boiled or something like that? Yeah, yeah. She, she's not mad at water. She's mad at water that doesn't know why it, or why it gets boiled. And it's like, uh, it's great. It, it, she just like, she gets more and more unhinged. And she's like getting more and more mad at him. And I love this one exchange. Uh, I sent you this because this fucking line, dude, this fucking line where she's like super mad at him. And it comes to a point where she's like... Wait, when she goes through this entire space and she's like, people can't be happy unless someone else saves them. It's like, uh-huh. oh, that, that fucking line. Then Araki surprisingly like, answer her and he's like, and he's like, listen, things like people saving themselves on their own never happen, which is rich coming from him. I mean, kind of makes it sense is- because he's like, he's a person who tries to save people all the time. Uh, but he, that was a fucking lie. <laughs> It's like it's, it's kind of interesting how he sort of agree, sort of agrees with like people don't save their, themselves they they rely on others. Uh, really, really interesting of him which, to like be like which that. Which Koyomi wishes that were so. <laughs> um, and then she becomes more and more unhinged to the point where he's like he's like trying to help her, and and he, and she's like she's like she's like pushes it back. It's like don't touch me and grabs grabs a pen and just stabs him in the head. <laughs> and then reveal of reveals standing behind him is fucking Sinjo Gahara. Yes. And she's like, bitch, I don't do that shit anymore, but I'm the only one to. that gets to stab my man was stationary. Which leads to one of my favorite scenes in the whole show, which leads to the my point why Owari, both season one and two, are some of the best shit in Monogatari ever. I love how we get so many scenes of different characters interacting with each other that are not Aoragi. This scene yes. is fucking great. You have Senjugahara entering the scene. I love Hanekawa like trying to drag her back. Like, no, don't, 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 don't do this. Don't do she's this. She's not but... even just, dra- she's comically dragging her back too. Yeah, but but Senjugahara doesn't give it. She's like, she's just moving forward and Hanekawa is on the floor. It's like, no, please stop it. And then you have the confrontation between Senjukahara and uh, Oiko, and she's like, uh, yeah, don't do that. And Sorachi is like, uh, she's like, oh, that's cute. Oh, you're dating. Oh, wow, that's really cute. Well, don't you remember that I was also like there for you when you were sick? Don't you remember like I was there for you as well in the past? Uh, and Itagi is like, well, like, I know you're there for me. Uh, but like, Aragi is like, is not the person you're trying to pay him out to be. Like, he's not this, like that. He's not, she's like trying to like argue that Aragi is not this, like this evil being that so that she thinks he is. Uh, and she's and then, having none of it. <laughs> yeah. And so that she just like fucking slaps into her in the face. And you, when this like, had, no, I, so I was, I watched this when it was originally airing back in 2015. When this scene happened, oh, oh. Oh, I was so ready. I oh, was yeah, so ready. Oh, it's a great scene. And then she just pulls back and just bow right in the face. Fucking just like punches the shit out of her, and she and she, and she just she's flies out. backwards like a fucking Looney Tunes character. 
and, and Oikure is out. She's out. And then I love how Itagi is like, well, Aragi, I can expect you to take care of the rest. She, the rest. And she's like, she's like, faints. Pretends to faint. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love that scene so much. And yeah, you, you make a good point. It, it, it's characters who are interacting with each other that aren't interacting with Aragi, even though he's around. So he is able to see the results of this and he and doesn't intervene. It. I love it. It's one of my favorite scenes. And I just love when more characters interact with each other. And now all of this just happens. And it's like in a flashback. Because the actual beginning of the episode is Ogi and Aragi like uh, talking about uh, several things. And Aragi is like... uh, And they're going to the public school. And it's basically Aragi told Ogi why he's currently that middle school where he is currently also congrats to you for actually writing down the name of the middle school I, that is some gobbledygook i'm never going to be able to say <laughs> i try my best uh, uh we don't me, have let me to try go. this nana yakuichi nana nana yakuichi i don't fucking know dude sounds like shit that in that cat on would say dude i don't know nana me nana 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 no, that's that, that that's an exercise for some other time. Uh, but anyway, so apparently he told all of this to Ogi, and that sort of like uh, all like Oikro coming back prompted him to go back to the public school to investigate some things. And Jogs he, his memory, and he finds his old locker, and inside the locker he finds an envelope. Now, do you want to go ahead? This should immediately be, not only for us as, as people watching, but for Aranagi, which he just, like the dense motherfucker he is, it's like, oh, 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 something from middle school. As fucking audience members, our alarm bell should be going off. Why is this still here? Yeah, uh, it's very weird. But when he finds the envelope, he finds something inside. So, Axe, would you care to talk about the Monty Hall problem? Oh, listen, <laughs> I love I love talking about this. It's one of my favorite uh, issues in um, statistical analysis. <clears throat> the Monty Hall problem is a very, very famous um, statistical analysis uh, issue and probability puzzle. So it comes from the American television game show, Let's Make a Deal. Basically, the whole thing is you're given three doors, uh, A, B, and C in this case, Um and behind two of the doors is like a shitty prize. And in most of the examples, it'll be like a goat. And then behind. Why is it uh, always one... a goat? God damn it. <laughs> well, either way, you win. Uh... <laughs> Fuck you. And then behind one of the doors is something like really desirable, like a, a boatload of money or a car or, or, or something that you really, really want. And so at the beginning of this, the contestant has said, hey, choose a door. You choose a door. And then the host of the, the game show will open one of the doors that has a, a goat behind it and say, hey, this one is not the winner. But hey, I'll give you a chance to switch your uh, your choice. You can choose uh, one of the other ones, or the other one that you didn't choose. Now, as counterintuitive as it may sound, if you're ever up against an issue like this, you should always switch your choice because I, I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, like in your mind, but more often than not, if you switch after being given a choice, when one choice has been eliminated, you will win at least 65% of the time. It's really like, a, I love how it's presented in the anime as well, like a, far, like a cartoon network type of show. I love that style that they use for like presenting that and explain how that problem works. 
I like uh, how it's so it's a reference within a reference <laughs> within a reference. By the way, so yeah. the Mon, Mon, so let's make a deal. It's Monty. It's named after Monty Hall, the original host of Let's Make a Deal. Um, so it's they're showing the original like Monty Hall problem, and then it's done in the style of Powerpuff Girls, and then you have a fucking random Splatoon reference that comes on screen. <laughs> So sorry, it's like one of the inklings is just on suit. It's like, what the fuck is what? What? It's so it's a reference within a reference within a reference. So basically, so once all that is explained, so Ogi chooses the one of the envelopes, uh, the C envelope, and she finds there is a map. And Aragi is like, huh, let's check this out. And before they leave, he notices Nadeko's locker as well. And like uh-huh. that, that that guilt is a big factor of this entire like season of the anime, and like that, there's every now and then there'll be this reminder of like the guilt because he, he feels a lot of guilt. There's the, well, even with, with when when Ogi and and Koyomi are locked in the room, like she looks at him and says, "Regret gave rise to this room." <laughs> And it's like, and, and to be and to uh, to be clear, at this point in time, this is prior to Nadeko Medusa. This is mm. still like not like prior to like the fucked up events that like would go down later. But it's a hint for us, the audience, to know like this is something that will cause a lot of guilt for Aragi. And like, and it's it's a refl- and like as we learn later on, this is like a re- repeat of another person that Aragi totally forgot about till they came back into his life in the anime. Which, like Jesus Christ, how bad is his memory? Wow, it's fucking shit. As we're about <laughs> to find out. So, the two of them uh, go uh, follow this map, and they arrive at this like very run-down mansion, this abandoned mansion. And Ogi breaks in, and Aragi yeah, wants her does. that. As she does. And, uh, and she's like, oh, like don't worry about it. We have an alibi, you and I. like it's, We're good. And he's like... Uh, my parents are cops. They won't bail me out on this. And then he has a moment like, why did I tell her that my parents are cops? And this is the first time we sort of like get a clear answer about his parents' uh, occupation, which is real cool. Which, which can I just point out, as dense as a motherfucker that, that Koyomi can be, good on him for not immediately revealing this information to everyone he meets. Uh, later on, it's like Hanekawa mentions that she makes a point of that, that he withholds that information for most of the time but it's like as good of a friend as she is to him she didn't know about it until very recently yeah um but yeah but apparently uh that ogi tells aragi uh that uh the, the fact that sodachi returned to school is like pretty much uh like means that she knew who the culprit was because again on the same on during the same time that the teacher on maternity leave, so that she came back to school. So there apparently are she was no also coincidences in Monogatari. Yeah. And apparently and Ara goes back to being that fucking dense motherfucker where it's like, oh, but she she's like, Well, I wonder why why she hated me so much. And Ogi's like, there's something else that is going on. Because again, as so that she said that she's like she's mad at people or not aware why they are being happy, what's the root for their happiness. Aragi isn't aware for the roots of like of her hatred towards him. There's something deeper going on, and yeah. yeah so they arrive to this random mansion, <laughs> and Aragi starts to tell her about another part of his past, sort of like what he's made of, the reason he's made this way. And yeah, that's pretty much along. how that that episode ends. I want to I want to point out before we go on, 
I understand why there's a lot of people, even Monogatari fans, who really don't like Awari Monogatari, specifically the first season. There's a lot of flashbacks going on. There's that, but there's also... Koyomi acts about as dense as he ever acts in Awari season one. Hmm. Like, it's it's I, yeah, it's a bit. It's it's a little much for a lot of people, and I get it. I I I understand if you've even if you're a fan of Monogatari, sometimes as as much as you're used to him kind of being you know alert and on top of things, he's not that here. I love how, but again, I think the strength of Awari is how much like we get care like how much more information we get about Aragi, how much more like he, yeah. he, it's like a deeper exploration of his character. And again, it's really weird because, hey, this arc is about Sodachi and the previous one was about Ogi, but no, actually, this is also like about understanding Aragi better as a character. It uh, is. But anyway. I, and I, I also get the frustration that some people level at it. It's like he he's the narrator of the story, but it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of agency in it. And it, it's, it's true because you're really watching other people solve the problems around him. And you know, the couple of times we've seen this happen before have been story arcs where he actually hasn't even been there. Like Hitagi end. Mm. Yeah. Now you're actually having to see him basically watch other people solve problems. And he has very little agency. Uh, it's yeah, it's an, that's an interesting point. I do feel like though because, again, it's sort of like we get more of a as we will see like this in this flashback, for instance, because again he's a little kid and he's that sort of like he's being criticized for ha- not having no agency in this flashback. We're going to get into it. like he literally is going to be sort of like be become a disappointment to someone in this flashback. Yeah. So basically, so let's like, get into Aragi, it. Yeah, so basically Aragi talks about how uh, five years before present time, he had this, like, as we said, he had this very strong sense of justice because his parents are policemen. And uh, he encountered this Monty Hall problem in this locker uh, that led to him meeting a girl in this rundown mansion who he didn't know at the time, but was Sodachi. Uh, yeah. Basically, when he found her, she started, like, teaching him and they started studying together math. And mm-hmm. she sort of wanted to show him how beautiful math can be because he was, well, he was a very righteous person even back then. He was a very hard worker. He was sort of like not great at math. That was like his biggest obstacle in terms of his studies. Um, and yeah, basically she, like a math fairy, she came from the heaven and started teaching him stuff about math, including <laughs> I like uh, that, that, that Weller's identity. Oh, he just constantly describes her as the math fairy. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I love it. And... He claims that, like, thanks to all of these studies, he sort of, like, succeeded in math and that led him to uh, being able to enter the current high school that he's attending. So going uh, back to that theme of, like, how he got to where he is. Yeah, and I, I just, I, I do actually really like the flashback where you show, where they're showing, like, him um, studying with Sodachin. Yeah. And and you see all the the things that she's teaching him, and like she seems to actually be having a really good time doing it. And they seem to, and he, obviously it's making him better at math. Um, but I also <clears> love <throat> the whole thing with the three conditions because that comes back to bite her in the fucking ass. Um, yeah, that they only meet on the second floor of the house. Um, that they have to keep the study sessions a secret, and uh, Koyomi can't ask anything about her. Nothing. They're only there to talk about math. 
Yeah. And so he, he and he does agrees. He, to, yeah. To, to Koyomi's credit, he he meets all of these conditions the entire time until the last day of summer vacation when she never shows up. And as time passed on, Augie just started forgetting about her, and yeah. And then Augie is like, "Well, that has to be Sorachi." And she probably transferred schools after this, and like that's why she suddenly disappeared. She also goes into the spiel of probably she had a different surname at the time, and that's why like Ari couldn't really figure out who she was. But it's probably Sodachi. Uh, but um, it's interesting how like again it goes back to like Ari is like thinking about like how Sodachi is like. You just like she, she hates how people just don't realize why they are happy. They're like, oh, I'm just they they just like fall into their happiness, as you said, and like Aragi sort of gets it, it gets it. It's like, oh, thanks to her, I can I entered this high school. I can like I was better at math, and that led to the person I was today. Um, yeah, it's like it sort of like dawns on him this realization. I also like so as this goes on, and of course Ogi is. Ed- egging him on uh, um, throughout this whole thing the realization of, of of why um why she put those three uh those three conditions out there mm. she was it was a cry for fucking help <laughs> and he never got it basically ogi figures out that like this rundown mansion isn't like is basically so that she's home and it wasn't probably... run down at the time but it is now and it's yeah, it wasn't run down in time, but it is now. And apparently, like from Aragi's memories, like there were multiple signs of domestic violence. And you're just is, like, oh, that's ooh. that's interesting. Anyway, that's a heavy subject. <laughs> yeah, I like how it pivots to oh, quirky, quirky girl that just got some personality issues. That, oh, fucking, we're beating our children. So basically, yeah, Soraji was trying to get some help in her life, and she she figure out that Aragi's parents are policemen. We still don't know why, but she managed to figure that out. We still don't know how out. she figured that out, but that uh, is coming. And uh, and she sort of used his slump in math to sort of like lure him into her house to sort of like almost use him as a witness to see what's going on to maybe get his parents involved. She also uh, lies to him about the Monty Hall problem because she tells him when they first start their study sessions that she sent that Monty Hall problem to multiple people in their class to see if anyone would like get the figure thing it out. And, and figure it out and, and stop by. But she, she lied. To him. He was the only one that got that Monty Hall problem. But she, but Aragi did not figure it out, as, even though she wanted him to. And like when on the day that she would disappear, he does find this one envelope under the table, and it's empty, which is such a good way to symbolize. Like that's what he, Aragi is to her. An empty, em, I love how they phrase an empty, empty bump. Yeah, an em, empty envelope. It, it was the wrong choice, a waste of time. It's like, damn, poor, poor child Aragi. And yeah. and that regret is like is like looming over him now, and it's like shit, like. I couldn't help her at the time. You just imagine that little boy Cleomi just walking into a house where parents are beating their children. He's like, oh, that's an interesting way to parent. Anyway, I'll meet you upstairs. Yeah. And then Araragi, the, uh, the, the day after, is like confronted by Anakawa and she's like, that's kind of weird that Ogi, like, that you volunteered that information to Ogi that your parents are policemen. 
yeah. which again, what, I wonder how Sodachi knew about it, but we'll get that later on. Um, <coughs> we so will. That's that's Sodachi lost. Yeah, that, Sodachi is, that is Sodachi lost. That is the gist of Sodachi lost. No, that was Sodachi, Sodachi riddle. Now we enter Sodachi lost. Yeah, see, yeah, Sodachi riddle. Yeah, we're going to Sodachi lost. Um, yeah, it kind of ends on a heavy note. Um, domestic violence. Um, yeah, uh, it's not great. <laughs> but but yeah, now, now we we're... kind of understand why she's a little, um, shall we say, emotional, unhinged. And really, really mad at Aragi. We know where she came from. We sort of like understand how she turned out to be so fucked up. But we still don't have all the pieces to the puzzle. Not uh, quite. But that's what So Did She Lost is for. So basically, after uh, Hitagi and uh, So Did She had this, uh, their little uh, fight, uh, they both of them didn't come to school the day later. Uh, apparently, uh, Hitagi was like, kind of something's up with Dagi, she's not doing well, and so that she isn't coming to school either. So Hanako and Araragi, it's sort of like, uh, be- before we, we get to that, actually, this the episode starts on Araragi and Hanako going to Sodachi's place, apparently, and like, this, discussing all types of things. And again, I told you, but I love the lighting in this episode. I love how washed out the colors in this part of the episode are. Mm. It looks it looks like a summer day, even though it's October. It looks kind of like... I- I mentioned to you, it's almost like everything is like almost 10% out of focus. Yeah. And the background um, seem like almost they're like pictures taken of like real place. It's like. And then, yeah, maybe like drawn over almost. Like uh, I'm looking at it right now and I just like, I love how like the, it's, it's, it, it reminds me of, actually, funnily enough, Steins Gate, uh, how it's like the, the, the sun just like is present everywhere. Like everything is like overexposed in terms of like the shot itself. It's, it's great. Yeah. Um, also, they're having that little conversation on their way to, to Sodachi's place, Did, and I mentioned it to you, and I, I you didn't re- catch it. There's there's a reference to Jesus. Because in Crunchyroll, don't they translate it differently? I didn't go back and check what, but it's different from what you showed me in the Blu-ray, which is very interesting. Yeah, so there's the, there's the reference to Jesus. You told me what happened during spring break was hell itself, but this might be the beginning of your passion. Huh. And of course, passion is capitalized, and that means the passion of Christ. Oh, God. And funnily enough, hell is quite soon for him because this is practically not a coma, do so all the shit goes down with Nadeko becoming a goddess. So, yeah, she, she was not far uh-huh. off. Uh, and means then, he's about to get crucified. And and in that conversation, they pretty much talk about it. Aragi is like, oh, we need to set a good example for. Our uh, kohais, our underclassmen, and uh, we should take care of them. And Anagawa is like, "Well, it seems you're uh, there's a pattern of you falling over, uh, falling for like all these younger girls, like with Kanbaru." And she's <laughs> like, "Please watch out for whatever is gonna happen with uh, uh, Ogi." And then we cut back to how they got to that situation. So apparently. As I said, Hanakawa like talks to Aragi. Hey, we should visit both Itagi and Sodachi to see what's up with them. Um, the original plan was that Hanakawa will visit uh, Senjokahara and Aragi will visit uh, Oikura. Yeah, they were going to split up. Yeah, they were going to split up. Also, bold of, of Koyomi to not go to his girlfriend's house. Even even it's like there's a moment I love that moment where he's like, mm, should I go? Should one person go to their lover on, or to their enemy? And then he like. Then there's a pause, and he looks at the camera. It's like, oh, don't look at, look, don't look at me like that. 
Don't, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> so anyway, I'm not going to go to Sinjukahara's place. And uh, and when he's about to leave, he sees Ogi right across the street. And she's like, oh, perfect timing. Wow, you're punctual as ever, Koyomi, like wanting to meet me exactly at 4.32 in the afternoon. It's like, this gaslighting bitch. <laughs> She's like, wow, so fucking, so fucking on point, Aragi. Wow, Sasuke. <laughs> Sasuke. And she starts like questions, like, oh, so, like, eh, didn't you promise to take me to this like sushi place? She's like, no, actually, I'm going to Sodachi to visit. She's like, this, oh, this gaslighting bitch. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you go to Sodachi? Oh, well, maybe I should accompany you. It's kind of weird for one for a boy to go to a girl's place on his own. <laughs> and and Aragi is like. Yeah, I guess that sort of makes sense. It's like, why not? And on on cue, Hanako is like, "Stop right there, criminal Hanakawa, scum!" Hanakawa, Hanakawa coming in like fucking Phoenix, right? Igiari. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we have a fucking great conversation between Aragi, uh, Hanakawa, and Ogi. And again, I you I had to point this out to you. You didn't realize it until a rewatch. This argument that they have is a Monty Hall problem. <laughs> Which is fucking nuts. I did not notice that at all. Mm. And I love the visual. So during this whole argument, it starts out as like a conversation, but it very quickly devolves into a genuine argument uh, between uh, Ogi and uh, Hanakawa. Yeah. And I love how there's like these quick cuts every so often to the traffic behind them. And it just gets getting faster and more like... It sort of uh, goes with the flow of the conversation, the argument. It's amazing. I love this. And, and the, the background colors change. There's like when you reach the climax of this sort of argument about who is going to go with Aragi, whether it be Hanakawa or Ogi. It's all like the sky turned red, completely red. It's like, it's very eerie. And you have these constant shots whenever... Ogi is like Ogi is very good at like manipulating Aragi's logic. Being a logic. manipulative cunt, yeah, she's Basically, really great at that. And, and whenever that happens, I'll have a, there's this one shot that I absolutely love where it's like Aragi like next to this wall, and on the wall you see the shadow of Ogi like looming over him, and she's like, "Well, actually, it would make more sense if I go over with you because thanks to me, you realize what happened with Sodachi, so yeah, like I can figure it out way better than Hanakawa." And I love how she's like. There's this moment where she's like, even you feel that way, don't you argue that Anako is like past her prime or something like that, which is uh, a... And that, that's ooh. the point when I originally watched this, I thought, oh, are we getting another chick fight? Oh, please. And and then like, there's like, it's, and then uh, Anak, and then uh, Ogi is like, let's put it this way. You decide who goes with you and wh- wh- whoever you pick, like, that's the end of it. They're going to go with you to Oikura. Hmm. And then, uh, and... And Aragi is about to to say, okay, maybe I'll go with Ogi. And then Anako is like, if you let me come with you, I'll let you touch my breasts. And Aragi is like, Done. and then no, no, it does, there's no even, there's no line, there's no, there's anything. no even line, it just cuts just, back to. It's presents. just a quick cut back to where they fucking were. <laughs> and then Aragi is like, oh, don't look at me. It's not like I, I because Aragi's breast that I, and not because Anako's breast that I picked her, it's because her determination that I chose her. Yeah, right, right. you motherfucker. Right, you motherfucker. Also, and, just, just, just the, the, the beauty, the absolute beauty. He is presented with three possibilities, and then one is eliminated because it's the absolute worst, and then he's given a choice between two. But he's already made his choice up once, but he's being asked, do you want to change your choice? It's great. It's I, a I didn't pick Hall up on problem. it. 
Um, and it's got to come back and later. also at the very end of that when um they actually cut to the traffic for the last time all of the license plates on the car read door b <laughs> which was the wrong answer for soda cheese riddle that's great that's so fucking cool i, I it's like it's kind of blowing my mind how far they go with the fucking monty hall problem it's it shows nice. up multiple times in the rest of Monogatari. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the end of episode five. And now they're at Sodachi's apartment. And... Which is, oh, I had to point this out to mm. you too. Her apartment number is 444. That's fucking what is, <laughs> what is four? Why is that significant, Natai? Oh, you tell me why is it significant, Alex. It is the HTML error code for a refused connection. <laughs> fucking amazing dude <laughs> fucking incredible it's blowing my uh, mind i dude. love monogatari when it does this shit nisio isin you beautiful bastard so fucking like there's so much shit here it's it's like this is it's blowing my mind how much shit there is in this fucking show um also yeah. another visual gag with the 444 her mailbox is full of mail she's refusing she's refusing to check, to check the mail yeah. she's refusing a connection <laughs> They go far with this HTML shit. That's amazing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> episode six. <sighs> yeah, episode six. So uh, basically, they, <coughs> they so so Hanaka wonders how come so that she knows about uh, uh, Aragi's uh, parents being cops, and apparently, again, because Aragi's fucking uh, memory is shit, he's like he asks parents about it. It's like oh, ages ago when we were were very young. And apparently they brought Sodachi into their uh, the Aragi household because there was suspicion of domestic violence in Sodachi's uh, house. And apparently she was taken to the Araragis and the, and apparently uh, both Tsuki and Nadeko even remembers that. And when Aragi asks about it, and I love that cutaway to Nadeko. I always thought we might see the scrunchy, right? But apparently it's prior to her getting the scrunchy. So, but she, yeah. I love how she twirls the phone again because she's obsessed with Aragi. And uh, apparently they took her in when she was very young. And just to keep her safe for a while while they were investigating her household. And it was, as she will talk about later, it was a very painful experience to be... In that household, uh, surrounded by joy, on. surrounded by joy, and like seeing because like her sense of normal household is very different from a regular household, right? Uh, but we'll delve into that later. Basically, they reach the apartment, so that she is in her pajamas. That she <laughs> does the tsundere thing when she told, tells Hanakawa she she does not want to change her clothes for Aragi. That's how she hates him, Baka. And uh, so they <laughs> so they enter her apartment. She's in pajamas. And her whole cheek is just swollen. And she's like, I'm going to fucking sue. She she pulls a Karen. I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue. No, no. She doesn't pull a Karen. She pulls an American. (laughs) She becomes like full-fledged American for like five seconds. I'll sue your ass. And and Aragi pulls a very, very, very cheekily. He like stabs his own like finger just so he can like wipe her cheek with his blood so it will heal up. And then her like injury is gone she's like what the fuck and she she doesn't realize what's happening um i love that moment and yeah. she, well because she doesn't know about the whole vampirism thing she doesn't know anything about it no 
which again, this this is again I, I reason why I understand why people don't like this as much because we're going from dense Koyomi to like oh I got this Koyomi. I mean, to be fair, even though when he is dense, like like it's really really stupid how it's like oh Anakawa offers her boobs, I'm gonna pick her right. No, actually, like he understands how she. That's how entire the situation is that she's willing to go that far to get him to like not go with Ogi because she suspects Ogi so much. <laughs> Also, the whole boobs thing. It's like, even when she's talking to him, it's like, you're you're just here for my boobs, aren't you? And then he just gives, like, the most porn acting response. No! What? No! no. It's that Mark Wahlberg thing from The Habit. Like, what? No! <laughs> <laughs> That's our Aragi in that moment. Uh, and then, so that she's sort of like, when she sees Aragi, she's like, she starts rambling on about how she's like, he's such a disappointment when she... Even though she put faith in him to help her in the, her situation she, uh, so many years she ago. She full on Unogasai like, in this scene. Pretty much. It's like, well, just, like putting Saki, you made the situation even worse, apparently. and You ruined my yeah. fucking life. <laughs> and yeah, basically, like she's like just like going on and on about like, like faith, putting faith in him just made the situation worse, apparently. And then she starts blaming her parents, apparently right after... The whole thing with Aragi happened. Their her parents divorced uh, after Aragi helped uh, had failed to help her, and she moved in with her mother. And to the and there's so much hatred towards her dad that she doesn't even refer to him as her dad. She's like the person my mother was married to. She's like she doesn't yeah. refer to him as like a, a fatherly figure. It's a really do, messed do, up situation. Do you mean your dad? No, that man my mother was married to. Yeah, and which is I'm, funny that. <clears throat> It's funny that she has that little, that very little respect for her father, which I think rightly so. Apparently, he was an absolute douchebag. I mean, he would but, beat his mother, her mother, all the time. Then her mother would beat her because yeah, she couldn't. And, and like, I'm thinking, well, you should have at least as much hatred for your mother. It's like you could say that, like she even says it that her mother beat her because like as like as a result of the the beatings or the the, the father yeah. would do so she sort of like understood her mother's position though it's and again this is a very fucked up situation but like to her it's sort of like which you know thankfully i i, I have nothing but sympathy for because there are people out there who i'm sure have been through situations kind of like this I have nothing but sympathy for those people and i i understand that it really fucks you up mentally for years and we see that how like sort of she's kind of she goes back into it quite later, but she is like, oh, I'm one of the fortunate ones. I'm this is not that much of a tragic tragic story, even though it's really fucked up. She um, she almost victim blames herself. Sort of, yeah. It's 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 kind of hard to watch when she does that. Uh, it is. Which I which I also feel is is kind of real. Like I think there's some victims of like domestic abuse or domestic violence who will do that too. Like they'll say, well, it wasn't that bad. I've heard of so many people who had it far worse than I did. It's like that, that may be true, but that doesn't make what you went through any less traumatic or any less like worth fixing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, basically she keeps telling what happened to her and her mother. So they moved to this one apartment and it was not great. There was garbage everywhere, so she basically helped keep both her and her mother alive by making food and, like, mm. trying to, like, you know, keep things orderly, I guess. Um, 
But yeah, then her mother just shut herself in a room, closed down the windows, closed everything, stole darkness, just wouldn't come out of the room, only to take some food whenever uh, Sochi made, uh, made food. Um, and they only managed to survive because they got money from welfare, from like uh, social welfare, apparently. And that, <laughs> that's how you know she doesn't live in America. Yeah, right. And then like this all like culminates when one day Oikura's mother just disappears and she's nowhere to be found. Uh, even though the room was locked, apparently. But when Soji entered the room... And the windows are boarded up. No one was inside. Uh, so she managed to move in by herself. She cut. She caught up to the studies, and then when she heard that the teacher, the homeroom teacher, was gone, she was like, "I guess it's time to go back to school." So that explains where she's been all this time. And yeah. she goes, and then she doubles down. It's like this isn't a tragic, tragic story. Other people are having way harsher time than me, and she's like, she's like, everything's okay. You guys can like leave me alone. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I like how she just very bluntly says, you can help me by getting the fuck out. Yeah, it's uh, quite rough. <laughs> and I, I even Koyomi's like, hey, you know, just because there's, there, there's no happiness that crushes others out there. Like, she, she mentions that. like there, Happiness is like something like a crushing force. Like, no, bitch. You don't understand what happiness is. Because she's reminded that uh, the Aragi household, she's like, it's. she was like, this happiness is too much for me. She was like, I, that's not it's how things smothering. Are, should be. Yeah, because her her day-to-day life was fucking domestic violence, domestic abuse. It's like, she doesn't, her brain doesn't understand how, like, uh, how, uh, a home could be so warm and happy and full of light. And she's like, if I would ever get that much of happiness, it would crush me. I wouldn't be able to, like, survive. And Ari is like, that's not how it works, dude. It's like, it doesn't have yeah. to be this way. But before <clears throat> before she basically kicks them out of her apartment, um, she's asked, she asked both um, Hanakawa and Koyomi to look for her mother who disappeared. Um, and she is willing <clears throat> to uh, apologize to Itagi about what happened before. Yeah, she both uh, will come back to school and apologize to Itagi about, like, hitting her. And, and that's how episode six really just ends. And then we reach the final episode of this arc and we... And boy, is it a doozy. Yeah, it's, again, one of my favorite interactions are coming up. Um, uh, where was I going? Yeah, so basically they're on, they're like outside of our apartment, Anakawa and I are trying to figure out what's going on. And of course, Spooky Yugi shows up. Spooky Yugi. <laughs> They wonder where her mother is. If like the room was locked, they start this whole mystery begins, and then Ogi starts shit talking. I love it. She's like, "If I was with Aragi, we I could have like I, I would I, I could have figured out this mystery by now. I could have done this if Hanakawa you were in your prime. You could have figured it out." Literally a four chan shit poster. I swear to God. Pretty much, and she starts like, "If Hanakawa was in her prime, she would have figured it out already." And then and she's like. And and she starts uh, telling Aragi, if you if you uh, tell me you'll you'll abandon Hanakawa and you like stay with me all the time, I will tell you the answer to the mystery. And she's like starts prodding him again. We have another Monty Hugh, uh, uh, Monty Hall uh, situation where she gives him two like three options what to do. One of and, them is kind of immediately discarded. Yeah, and then like another one is like pretty much th- one of them is throwing Hanakawa away. The other one is telling. 
Ogi that he's sorry for like letting her down. It's like asking forgiveness and sort of begging also, for the Also, while this this is happening, uh, we see like an above shot, like a, almost like a crane shot yes. down below where they're standing, and it's an actual visual representation of the statistics involved in a Monty Hall problem on a fucking pie graph. And and then comes one of my favorite scenes in this entire series. It's it's my top five scenes for me. And then Hanekawa is like, "All right, give me ten seconds. I'll give the I'll I'll tell you the answer to this mystery." And Ogi's like, "Fine, you're you're on." And then Hanekawa blitzes to like the nearest water fountain, washes her hair, and reveals her like you know striped uh, hair color that she got. <laughs> That's back not in. how hair dye works, but I'll 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 go. Yeah, I'll I'll. I'll 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 go with it, dude. It's I'll perfect. It. It's don't don't worry about it. It's perfect for the situation. So she reveals her hair color. She got in Tsubasa Tiger, and then she just sits down, drenched and and just thinking. And right on the ten second mark, she's like, "I got it. <laughs> I have the answer." And she's like, "Oh, oh no." Really? And Ogi's like, yeah, yeah, that's the answer I also, to the mystery. Like, the next, the next ten minutes is just them going, hint one, hint two, hint three, like the fucking count from Sesame Street. Yeah, basically to break it down to Aragi, what happened until they, they, they pretty much spill the beans, and then he's like, oh no. So basically, apparently, Sodachi's mother just starved to death, uh, and how would you call it? She, like, her body just slowly over the course of two years just... Uh, decomposed. I mean, like decayed. You'd be surprised at how quickly a corpse can decay when it's not taken care of or it's not buried. So for two also, years straight, so that she was taking out, over. Look, I do want to point something body. out though. There is a, there is a slight flaw in this logic. Okay. Human bodies start to stink when they decompose, and I mean like absolutely reek. But the entire house was filled with garbage. She said that's that, like, true. Like, it was to the point where there's, like, so much garbage that, like, when they evacuated the house, like, the, you couldn't tell what's garbage and what's not. So, that, that, that kind of explains true. it. That, kind of. But I will say that human bodies really stink when they're decomposing. Like, I've been in a morgue before. It's not pleasant. Yeah. I, again, it's kind of a... It's a very extreme situation, obviously. But... I'm willing to give the show the benefit of the doubt. Like it sort of explains away pretty much most of it. I don't. I'm not. It kind of seems to me weird that like in two years a body would just like decompose completely. But hey, if anyone's listening to this uh, episode hey. who is a scientist and can tell us about it, I'd love if, to hear about it. If you're a forensic pathologist, <laughs> if can someone in the audience can uh, or one of the listeners can debunk this, then I'm, I'm more. I'm here for it. I'd like to hear about it. Anime Mythbusters, let's go. Let's go. So probably, yeah. I'd watch that shit. We should do Anime Mythbusters. Are we smart enough to do something like that? No, I'm not. I'm fucking clumsy as fuck. I'd set shit on fire. (laughs) So yeah, basically, uh, Sorachi was taking care of a corpse for two years and she didn't even realize it. And to some extent, her warped mind maybe sort of like wouldn't allow her to understand, right? Um, yeah, but, I can understand. Like, yeah. If you've been if you've been that traumatized, I can certainly imagine your brain coming up with fantastical scenarios just to make you feel better. Yeah, and Aragi is like very resolved about talking to Sodachi about. And Ogi's like, "Are you sure this is a good idea? Don't do it. Like maybe you shouldn't do it." And Aragi's like, "No, I have to tell the truth about this." And it cuts to the next morning. We still don't see their conversation. 
We never do, really. Uh, I mean, we, we get a, a glimpse see, of it. We see a small part of it. We get a glimpse of it. But basically, next morning, Haragi is woken up by the Fire Sisters. Uh, fire again, Sisters? And, and, and he talks about like what happened in the conversation. And apparently, Sodachi is going to move again. She's not remaining, staying in the town anymore because like her financial support has been getting cut in half. So she's moving out of the city. And which is a kind of a shame. And when also he asked both of the sisters if they remember, and neither of them do either. How bad are the Aradagi's memories? I'm kind of. I want. I want. I want a family conversation with their parents. Like, I think they need some fucking MRIs to see what's wrong with their fucking brains. And then we get a glimpse of uh, Sodachi's and Aragi's conversation, and like she's very collected, she's very calm, and she smiles. And, and it seems when they're alone, she's like able to to remain like normal, you could say. And he sort of like says it's kind of weird and kind of surprising that she accepted the truth about her mother very easily. She's like she came to terms with it very quickly, uh, and uh, then and that's like the end of Oikura's uh, story for the show. Like, she's transferred and we don't see her again, which is like, I'm I really sad about it. I really like her character. It's kind of a strange how much of an impact she had in, like, two, three episodes. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if there's yeah. any other character in Monogatari that we've met so far that's <clears throat> kind of like that, where we're, we really only see them for a couple episodes and, like, they're never in the story again. Yeah, it's, and I uh, can't really think of one. I mean, I guess you could say um, Tadatsuru to some extent. Tadatsuru maybe? to to a certain extent, yeah. But he was set up just to kind of be a primary villain for a single arc. Yeah, and the, the point of his character was like he shouldn't be there. Like the whole point was like to play with your expectation about what the character should be, and yeah. whether whether Sodachi is like very much a um, a big factor of like how Aragi managed to get to this point in his life. So it's yeah. kind of a different I really story. I can't think of another character <clears throat> at least that we've seen thus far that uh fits this bill. Yeah. I would say episode but I've seen Kizu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll and hmm, we'll get to episode. But anyway, uh and then uh, so then cuts to Aragi going back to school. And on his way, he sees Ogi on a bicycle. Hmm, I remember when we've seen that. Be- <laughs> oh, man, I <laughs> Not remember a this bicycle. <laughs> I remember this bicycle. And she's on a bicycle, and she's like, well, I guess... And, and she's like, I guess I lost this battle, but this isn't going to happen again. She's very, being very weird about how she phrases co- like this. Very coy. Very, very coy, coy, very coy. And she's like, she's like, oh, I'm, lo- I'm looking for a lost child. And she's like, this... And she's like... I'll, it's almost like comically villain, villainous. How she says, "Like next time it won't be as smooth. Next time it won't it won't be an easy win." I'll get you next time, he man. Pretty much, pretty much, and and as we know, no, Nadeko lost her shit and it didn't go as smooth like it did this time. No, no. And no. when Aragi goes to arrives at school, Hankao tells him, "Oh, I'm gonna fall for a leave of absence." Because apparently she's going to go see the world, apparently. Yeah. Which we got I a glimpse we, of we've that. We've heard something about that, haven't we? We heard something about it. We got a glimpse of that in Hitagi N when she met uh, Kaiki. Apparently that's around that time. So apparently she's falling to leave and she warns Aragi about Ogi. She's like, watch out for her. I don't think something's up with Oshino's niece. And he even tells her, hey, if you don't find Oshino, like, ask him about his niece. She's like, okay. She's kind of hesitant about it. 
So finally, for this arc and this recording, uh, Aragi goes to the class and he sees under his desk there's a there's a note, there's a there's an envelope. He opens it up and we never get a chance to see what's in it. If it's like a a, a letter from uh, Solichi or is it more of a mathematical problem? It just like he just. This says, is also this is also an example of Koyomi himself breaking the fourth wall because at the very end he ter- he talks directly to the audience. Is like. You're never going to find out what's in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave it to your imagination. All that you need to know is that it made me smile. And that closes the book on the entire Oikura arc. That it was, was a picture of her titties. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Anyway. I can, I can tell you that even if you read the novel, you'll never find out what was in that envelope. <laughs> what's that? I said even if you read the um, the novel, you won't find out what's in that envelope. <laughs> I like that. I like how they sort of like Aragi keeps it to himself and doesn't reveal that to the audience. Like because at the end of the day, even like it's a very fucked up situation that so that she was in. There was there is a very intimate connection between the two. So yeah, that was uh, okay. Formula so that she really so that she lost. Say yeah. Roughly the first half of a Wari Monogatari uh, season one. Three arcs, one hour and thirty minutes. Let's go! You know, oh my god! You, you say that you say three arcs, but really, this is one big arc. Yeah, definitely. This is, and again, as much as this is a Oikura story, this is also the story of Aragi's past. It's yeah. does a lot in this first half of Wari season one. Even though it is portrayed as three arcs, it's really one arc in three acts. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. It's it's uh, very I love how it's constructed. I love And as I've said, I understand. I understand why even Monogatari fans have their reservations about this because like you get Koyomi acting super dense and then being super smart and then there doesn't seem to be any kind of balance and yeah, we're seeing a slightly more mature <clears throat> uh Koyomi, but I I I get it. I, now, I'm not saying I agree with it. I I personally love <clears throat> Awari Monogatari season one, and I really love Awari Monogatari season two when we get to it. Um, but I get it. I get why there's many uh, fans of this series that think that Awari season one is pretty weak. Which is a shame. I, I love Awari as a whole. Uh, season two, like, we'll get to how much I love that when we get to it. But Awari uh, mm-hmm. season one is one of the peaks for me. Uh, I love again going back and like exploring more of our Aragi side. I love Oikura as a character, and I love how we finally get and see more of Ogi as a character. And yeah. just you wait for the next uh, part of this podcast because the next arc is six episodes long. Shinobu Mail <laughs> is gonna yep. be massive. It's it is. great. Um, it's it's a very um, shall we say heavy arc. <clears throat> it's ooh, it's fantastic. So many moments. I'm looking forward to rewatching with this. So yeah, before we do go, um, I did want to point out, I I don't think I've mentioned this on our previous um, uh, spoiler cast with Tsukimonogatari. So we have decided exactly how we'll be framing um, the rest of our spoiler cast. So obviously we've decided to uh, split Awari season one into two parts. So this is part one. Part two will cover the rest of season one of Awari. Um, after that, we're going to do Kizumonogatari, and we've decided to do all three films in one spoiler cast, which that'll be great for everyone involved, I'm sure. Yeah, um, let's go. Then we're going to do all 12 episodes of Koyomi Monogatari, but those are short, so that should be fine. Um, then we're going to do all... Uh, I, how many episodes are in Mario Season 2? Because they're However like double many. episodes in terms of length. 
Yeah, so we're going to do all of Owari Season 2 in one go, and then we're also going to do all of Zoku Owari in one go, and then that, that'll be it. Um, we're getting so there. Yeah. We're getting close. We, we really are. Um, as I said at the beginning, we're, we're getting into the end game here. Um, so next will be uh, Part 2 of Owari Season 1, which is Episodes 8 through 13, uh, Shinobu Mail. Yes. I don't know about you, Natai, but I am super looking forward to it. I'm very hyped. I'm I'm very very hyped. So, um, do you so, have yeah. anything else to uh, say before I play us out here? Just it's good. It's good to to be back and talk about Monogatari. It's been a while. I'm 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 so happy with this rewatch so far, and like I've been looking forward to rewatching Owari. This is one of this is the one section that I didn't get a chance to rewatch for again. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> It's great. I'm loving every second of it. I'm listen. I it's great. I'm having the absolute time of my life doing these rewatches and and doing these spoiler casts with you. I can't wait. To we get talked about it. Been going on for almost for more than a year by now. Over a these. year now. Yeah. We're, by the time we get finished, it'll probably be about a year and three months. Crazy. It is crazy. Um, but yeah. Until next time. Uh, thank you, everyone out there, for dropping in to listen to us. Uh, we're, as you can tell, having a fucking ball doing this. Check the description below to find links to Anime Club, After Dark, on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. Check out our merch store. Any purchases you make there do really, really help us out. With that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Natai. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Natai. Yes. Spooky Yuki is coming for you. <laughs> Spooky scary skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky, scary, ooky. <laughs> I need that remix in my life. <laughs> <laughs>